Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Shadow passes. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Return to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Today is the second Sunday of our journey to the wilderness with Jesus during Lent. For how long did Jesus have a human body? Some people have travel games to pass the time on a road trip, uh, finding license plates or road signs, and just like to use brain, brain teasers or trivia. My question for our journey this morning. For how long did Jesus have a human body? Travel trivia, if you like. It's not a trivial question. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And standing between heaven and earth, the human, the human body. God created them from heaven and earth. God created them from divine breath and dust. A sign and a symbol. Man and woman standing between heaven and earth, ruling on behalf of God, vassals ruling over the created order of this world on behalf of God. The suzerain, overhead, we the vassals beneath. That's the historical contextual framework suggested here. Vassal under suzerain. And they stand for you and me. They rebel against God. We have rebelled against our Creator. Tried to overthrow God as our sovereign. That is death. Inevitably, it led to the curse of death. Death is the expected and just consequence of a vassal rebelling against a suzerain. And indeed, God tells us, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. On Ash Wednesday, that is what you heard as David and I made a charcoal cross on your forehead. Remember your dust, and to dust you shall return. Did you know that those ashes, the charcoal that we mix with oil, those ashes are made from the palm branches of the previous Easter season, last year's Palm Sunday. That's the tradition. And, you know, carbon is carbon. We, we can use almost anything. Lots of options, but I made the ashes this year, and that was indeed uh, what they were, last year's palm branches. Irony, sign, and symbol. The cycle of life to death for all living things. This past week, Heather held the hand of a woman who was 100 years old, she died. 
We hope against hope, somehow, for salvation from death. We hope for life, real life, flesh and blood life, following death. And we console ourselves by thinking about the young who remain. God gives a glimmer of hope to Adam and Eve in their air, even as he cuts them off from the tree of life. The Bible story continues. We read a long genealogy before our reading, our gospel reading, or Genesis reading this morning. That ends that genealogy with Abram and his wife Sarah, that's what they were called at, that, at this time still. But we read this. Now Sarah was buried. She had no child. Tragedy. And yet God promises to bless Abram and Sarah, Sarai, to bless them with a child and a land of their own. Because they are not only childless, they are sojourners. They are not in the land of, of their ancestors. God's promise is not just for them, also. God promises that in Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we heard it in our scripture reading this morning from the north and south and east and west, the people will come. All the families of the earth shall be blessed in the heir of Abram and Sarah. Hope. And God does bless Abram. And Abram becomes rich and powerful when his nephew Lot is, is kidnapped, is taken away in a, in a raid. Abram has 318 fighters in his household that he rallied to rescue Lot. 380. Think of what the size of House Abram to have a private militia of 318 soldiers. And yet, he still has no children, still has no land that is his own. So in our reading today, Abram worries. And God promises Abram, again, heirs and land. Don't be afraid, Abram. Trust me. You see the stars in heaven above you, Abram? Can you count them? I will give you countless heirs. See the land beneath your feet? I will give it to you. Heaven and earth, and between heaven and earth, you and your body, your heirs that will come out of your body. That's what the original language actually says. Heir, we, what will come out of your own body, out of your own body, shall be your heir. Out of your loins, specifically. And in this land, an heir that will bless, not curse, all the peoples of the earth, heaven and earth and your body between the two. It's a cosmic promise. It's a material promise with signs and symbols. God makes a covenant with Abraham as a promise, or again, literally, in the biblical language, he cuts a covenant. Because a covenant was a traditional form of solemn oath-taking, the animals were cut in two to symbolize a curse on oneself if one doesn't fulfill the vow. Patrick talked to us about this a few weeks ago and then read it again this morning for us. The context again, suzerain and vassal. But in the ancient years, context, 
It was, of course, mostly the conquered vassal that was forced to swear the curse on himself. Huge power imbalance. A pledge of loyalty to the conquering suzerain. And yet, it is God who takes the pledge unilaterally, as Patrick noted, God not able, in a total reversal of the way of this fallen world. A sign and a symbol of his promise of a blessing, not a deserved curse, as is the cross. All Abram has to do is believe, trust. 400 years from now, this land will belong to your heirs. Abram does believe God. That is all God requires to be right with God. Just trust me. Just trust me. And that is the theme of David in Psalm 27 that Anna read for us this morning. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. How long do we have to wait? Wait for what? I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the land of the living. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. He is God's answer to our law. And he has the audacity to say it clearly and often in the passage we read this morning and in many other instances for anyone who has ears to hear. But we rejected him, just as we so often have rejected God's prophets. Jesus said before voting, For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Again, a, pass, a shadow passes over the scene. Jerusalem rejects him, we kill him, we hang his body between heaven and earth. Sign a symbol, a horror, a body torn and bloody. Jesus wants to embrace and protect Jerusalem like a mother hen brings his chicks under, under brings her its chicks under his, his, his wings and protects them. They would not. And so Jerusalem would indeed suffer the consequences and a curse. Instead of divine protection, Rome would come in and raise the temple to the ground once again. War and subjugation, signs and symbols for anyone to see. Do we have ears to hear, eyes to see these signs and symbols? In 2014, Pope Francis held a ceremony and said prayers for peace in Ukraine. Standing above a crowd of thousands at the Vatican. And then with Francis, a boy dressed all in blue, a girl dressed all in, in, in red, the Pope in his white cassock. These are the colors of the Russian flag, of course. The boy and the girl each released a dove. Beautiful songs. But what happened next? I had to look this up when I heard about this last week. It's something so unbelievable, but it's legit. It was covered by BBC, CNN, CBS. 
A crow attacked one of the doves. A seagull attacked the other dove. Both of these are unclean birds. Both are carrion devouring birds. Do you think that incident is noteworthy today? Has it been noted? Public discourse? I hadn't, even, I hadn't heard about it until I. Look it up on YouTube. I don't know exactly what it means, but it, it has my attention. I want ears to, to hear, I want eyes to see. I want to give the last word to Paul this morning as we look briefly at what he said, because this is where I've been trying to go this morning. He says, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Church, look for examples to follow here and elsewhere. People you can imitate. Paul continues, For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Let's use Lent to turn ourselves away from our belly and our coin. And whatever created things are taking our eyes off Jesus in the way that falls. Give things up for Lent, temporarily, permanently, as needed. Mostly, though, let's give up sinning. That's what I want, is to give up sinning and draw near to God. Paul continues, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. For how long did Jesus have a human body? He still has a human body. A resurrected and glorified body, but a body that ate broiled fish on the beach after he rose from the dead. He rose and the body ascended bodily to heaven. He will return bodily. His commitment to our well-being, including our material well-being, could not be greater. Jesus is human for eternity forward. Please listen. Our citizenship is in heaven. That does not mean that heaven is our final destination. And T. Wright wrote a short piece for Christianity today a few years ago entitled, Heaven is Not Our Home. And Wright says about this very verse, when Paul speaks in Philippians 3 of being citizens of heaven, he doesn't mean that we shall retire there when we have finished our work here. Paul says in the next line that Jesus will come from heaven in order to transform the present humble body into a glorious body like his own. The risen Jesus is both the model of the Christian's future today, future body, and the means by which it comes. 
Jesus is coming again to live with us. Heaven is not our home. It's another stop on the journey. We don't go to live forever in the heavenly Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem descends out of heaven. It's right there in the last two chapters of the Bible. <laughs> go look it up. I don't know how so few Christians understand this. Jesus' resurrection is the model of our future life. And he did that to raise us, to participate in the divine nature, something I can't even talk about this morning. Jesus still has a body, and that is our hope. Which is why during the Nicene Creed, I usually cross myself when we come to the resurrection of the body. As that's to say, I hope in you, Lord Jesus, to hope for you to resurrect this body, Kelly Madden's body. I have maybe 20 years or so left in this body, a certain number of years but a number that is certain than death. But Jesus has won for me the resurrection of this body. And, signs and symbols, we have this sign, Jesus has been sacrificed. As I tear up the bread, as I will tear up the bread this morning, in a few minutes, so his body was torn for us to reconcile us to God. We take this bread and this wine in thanksgiving for what he has done, for his provision, his sacrifice for us once for all. Because Jesus conquered death, I will conquer death by his power. Not to live as a ghost on a cloud someday, but in a body like his own. Heaven is not our home. The new Jerusalem is our home, and it will descend out of heaven. That should not be as Christian. And that is as orthodox as orthodox can be. And though some of you did not know it this morning, I know. But isn't it wonderful? That is our hope and our destination. Are we there yet? No. Kids, no, we're not there yet, but not long ago. Therefore, Paul says, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm with us in the world.